This podcast is brought to you by PodPro Australia. Hello and welcome to the Global Glamping Podcast. I'm Adam Bell and I'm your host and today with me again is CEO of Global Glamping, Simon Fabian. Welcome Simon. Adam, how are you? Um, really well. And with us today as well is Mel B. Mel with two L's. Indeed. Welcome, Mel. Thanks. So you're an ambassador, Mel, for uh, the Global Glamping um, uh, charity. How long have you, you been involved? Ooh, I think it's been a year now. It's been, it's been about, yeah, I think 12 months. Oh, fantastic. And how did, how did you guys get together? How did it all come about that, um, that you joined Global Glamping? I'll let you go go with that one. Um, well, basically, we employed um, a lady up here on the Gold Coast to act as a media um, PR type person, and um, she introduced us to to Mel. We had a chat and got along really well, and the relationships just grown from there. So. Oh, fantastic, fantastic! And Mel, where does your interest come from with the the Global Glamping Charity? Can you tell us a bit about your background? Ooh, that's a big question. I'll give you the high-level overview, and then you can dive in sure, wherever you wish. Sure. Um, as, let's let's address the haggis in the room. I am Scottish. That's what the accent is. So I emigrated out from Scotland about twenty-two years ago. Okay. Um, and some people may think I was running away from an environment that was a little toxic, but that's not the case. Okay. I had done uh, some of the work so that my emigration was not fear-based. So when I came out here, I was actually really good with where I was at, despite my childhood traumas okay. that had started, that had been my introduction to adulthood and this existence on this planet, which is such a challenge for us. Um, and so from there, I emigrated when I was 25. And that distance did give me the ability to go down a uh, a deep healing journey that felt a lot safer with the miles between myself and my perpetrator. Now, I say perpetrator, but actually there was more than one. Okay. And at the age of around 18, I was in a very small uh, likelihood or potential of being homeless. And so from that early exposure to how fragile relationships can be, how easy it can be to be displaced, that has always kind of been a part in my adult life. And when I came across Simon and we, we talked and we resonated and going, wow, this is really important work you're doing, particularly for people who are escaping domestic violence, for people who are stuck and don't have somewhere to go. Absolutely. For those of you just joining us on, is this is the first episode that you're listening to? Global Glamping, um, fabulous organisation that uh, that Simon runs, looks after, and is wanting to to help with homelessness homelessness from three particular areas of society and, and domestic violence um, being one. Do you mind me asking you, Mel, to go into a little bit of the the story around that? It's fine, absolutely fine. I'm I'm an open book because. Uh, People call me a success story, but I, th I think I've just done good in my life. Sure. I, and I think it's important to show that there are many victims and there are many new stories. It's, um, it's an epidemic. It's horrifying. 
but it's not all doom and gloom. Um, so my upbringing was I was raised in a pedophiliac environment with my stepfather from the age of two to 14. And I moved out of home at 15. And that obviously led to a dysfunctional relationship with men as a young woman. Can imagine. And I ended up in a relationship with somebody at 18 who was twice my age in their 30s. And now I look back and go, that's just you. That's just ugh. But at the time, and now as a coach, I look at it and go, I was looking for some stability from a male. I was looking for that father figure. Yeah. And he was looking for a housekeeper. And when I started to, I don't know where it comes from. I can't answer the where do we get that resilience or that fire. But when I started to get just a little bit of confidence to push back, he didn't go down well. Right. Um, and he, he wasn't a violent domestic violence, but now we understand the terminology has changed a lot. Um, I, I was estranged from my, my mum. Um, I didn't have friends. I only had this workplace and I didn't have work colleague associate friendships. So I felt very isolated without even realizing it. Um, so that morning I was about eight, oh, maybe 19, 20. I'd been with him for about 18 months. And that morning I was forced into unconsensual sex, which is also known as rape. Yep, certainly. Is. Uh, I had no idea at the time any of that. And I remember lying there. It was before work. It was in the morning. I'm like, I've told you no twice now. This is not effing acceptable. In my mind going, how, what is happening? How have you gotten here? And in that moment when I'm saying, I don't want to do this, he's taking it anyway. And I was like, F this. I'm leaving him. And I did. I let him go to work. I started packing bags and I took some bags to work. Now, after uh, we'd showered that morning, uh, we got into, I'm starting to feel a little bit empowered. Okay. Feisty Scottish male. Did you have somewhere to go? Well, so what happened was we got into a bit of an argument and he started pointing his finger at me. And I, in a, I moved and I, he ended up poking me quite harshly in the eye. It was an accident. However, he was still threatening me. So I went to work that day with a couple of bags, not knowing what I was going to do, with a partially forming black eye. That was the brilliant catalyst for people looking at me with sympathy. And I, whether they knew or don't, didn't know, it started a conversation from those associates and saying, are you okay? Yep. And I wasn't okay. I had nowhere to go. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was estranged from my mom. And they went into this rallying mode and, right, we're going back at lunchtime. You want to leave him? You're going back at lunchtime. Three cars. We're going to take as much stuff as you can and you're not going back. And I ended up sleeping on somebody's couch and I did not go back. Here's a question I've got for you. Without the black eye, without the, the physical, you know, um, symptom for somebody to see, do you think it would have turned out the same way on that, that morning? Would you have reached out for help or, you know, in, in what we're looking at here, could, could that have been very different and you could have been walking out on the street 
that day. That's exactly the point. Yes. I think the universe is always happening for us. So that accidental poke in the eye enabled a conversation which meant I was not homeless. I would still have left him. How I would have done that is probably been sleeping in a car. And I know with the charity, that's a situation a lot of our clients and the people we want to support are in. So that's why I'm so passionate. Like That could have been me. Very, very easily could have been me. Because that's something you talk a lot about too, Simon, isn't it? About... Um people who do leave a domestic violence situation and just being moved on from car park to car park, the car's all they've got. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, council workers and police are just doing their job, but it doesn't solve the problem. And when there's no housing available, um, what are people to do? Can I ask, I, w- I would love you to share the story of what got you, because that was the piece that were like, I want to be involved with this. There's been plenty, but the main one that started it was his car situation. So um, through my all my adult life, I've carried a lot of weight. And I've had times where I've gone for walks, got started to get fit, and then for reasons, it's fallen off. But anyways, on this walk, um, saw a lady, had two kids, some bags, clothes in the car. Um, it was quite obvious that there was a problem, either homelessness, I didn't know about the backstory, but homelessness, um, tried to just see if she's okay. Um, and the reaction I got was, um, if I wasn't mature, I'd be offended because I was like, F off, leave me alone. Don't come near me. I'm okay. Go away. Um, but after two nights of the same walk and a similar experience, started to soften a little bit, um, and at least gave me half a smile. Um, I, I'm guessing she didn't see me as a threat anymore because I've been there before and nothing has sure. happened. Um, and it turns out that she, effectively she was running from a domestic violence situation, couldn't go to her family's home because the perpetrator knew exactly where to find her. Same reason wouldn't go to friends to couch surf. And Were her family and friends aware of, of, of where she was? As I understand it, family wasn't. Um, but friends were, mm-hmm. but, and uh, reading between the lines, I think there'd been a history of run, nowhere to go, go back, run, go back. So friends were like, this is just another, another, another round episode. in the cycle. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, and from what I understand, he had found her, um, at friend's house and, you know, I don't know if you've had an experience where you're the third wheel and, you know, a couple are having an argument and you're just stuck in the middle of it and you're like, oh, what do you do? Right? Mm. Um, so there's been a whole heap of dynamics around that. But essentially the kids would be sent to school. No one at school knew. She'd just do whatever she could do, uh, mainly go to work sometimes, um, pick the kids up, sleep in a car, get moved on by council rangers, go to another car park. Yep. Um, as a father of two, and one of my girls has had a um, pretty traumatic experience in her life. Yep. Um, it broke my heart just to see another person going through that. And as my both my girls have now left home and have their own lives, um, if either of those two were involved in anything like that, I'd just be horrified. Mm. And if they couldn't come to mum and dad for whatever reason... Which obviously a lot of them, no, well, most probably feel no, like they can't. And there's no services, no homes... And then you compound that with the cost of living and everything else. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that opened up the domestic violence, homelessness part of the charity. Um, 
And it's yeah, very much a, a deep-seated emotional attachment I have to creating a solution. Um, my, my dad, who passed away three years ago, and one of his key um, beliefs, I guess, was if you see a problem in the world and you've got the resources to fix it, you've got a human obligation to do so. Um, I take that to heart now because I can't have those conversations, but when he was alive, I thought, oh, what are you talking about? Because I just had my head down, bum up, working like everybody else yep. and didn't care about the rest of life. So, yeah, that's the, the passion around that space for me. So. Right. And look, what in, in everything you're saying there, I think what's scary is we've all got no idea how many people are out there in their cars of any one, one evening. Yeah, yeah. And even when they do census, it's just a guess. And yeah, so. with that being there, what other option do they have after two or three days, you know, other than probably going back, which I, I gather, you know, quite a few do. Yeah, and, I, and look, I get quite emotionally cranky with people um, around that, oh, what could she go back, she got out type attitude. Unless you walk their walk, you can't make decisions and judge people. No. Um, historically, I've made mistakes and I wish I hadn't, but the goodness has come out of it in the back end of my life. It's all been worth it. Yeah. So, yeah. Something I wanted to come back to with, with you, Mel, it, it, it just startled me a little bit how much a, a, a physical wound or something can make it make, make probably a difference on, on what happens with where the world can suddenly start asking questions versus probably the majority who have nothing, uh, who have no outward signs um, and how that can change probably, you know, possibly someone's journey. Because if, if someone's seeing a black eye every six months, you know, two months, they probably will ask questions. But I would imagine the majority of cases, there's there's probably no outward signs. Oh, you're opening up that one to answer in a couple of minutes. Um, <laughs> and let's be real. And so one thing, I fully acknowledge it's not just women who are victims. Of course, um, of course. Victims, uh, and it's not just men that are perpetrators. Um, it just ha happens that's been both our experiences in that context. Um the challenge can be is when you've got dark empaths or narcissists, which is a sliding scale, mm -hmm. th they know what they're doing. They actually like the control. They know they shouldn't be doing it. They calculated in. This is how you can tell. If they're harming you, so it's not visually obvious beyond cl your clothing. So if it's hidden, it's calculated. If they don't do it around your children, it's calculated. They know and they can control to a certain degree how much and how they are doing it. That is a major flag, massive. And if I hear any of my clients coming through saying, oh, but you know, there's no visual bruises like that is calculated, honey. You need to be aware he actually does know what he's doing. So, so you could almost almost assume in, in a lot of cases then that, that <laughs> how do you say a perpetrator is worse than others? But you know, It's a that, scale. Yeah. And, and the more uh, psychopathic they are on the scale, the more calculated it is, the, the worse it is because they know what they're doing and they know what to say and they know how to isolate and they know how to control. So, yeah, it's a real thing. So... 
tell me then, just to, to finish off, and look, I'd love to get you back a, a, a again, um, Mel, because uh, I think there's a number of topics we could we could delve into a, a lot deeper than we, we probably will today. And fantastic that you two have, have found each other and what a great, you know, um, partnership that can be going forward to, to get results from from the charity. It's um, very, very fortunate to have Mel on board. So, yeah. <laughs> Just finish off by telling us, how did it finish? You left that day, you went back with the three cars, you packed them up, you got out. Tell us, just quickly tell us what happened from that point forward and, you know, roll forward to, you know, getting to Australia. I'm glad we're finishing this on a high because it's a heavy topic. Yeah. Um, I am proud to say I did not ever let a man harm me again. Fantastic. And I did. That would probably be not the norm, I would imagine, unfortunately. Uh, I, I agree. And... I did a lot of internal work. I'm now a coach and healer in this space and, you know, for personal success and business goals and such. But it, I, again, I don't know where and how and why I had a resilience to say enough is enough at that one point. But I'm so grateful for my soul that I was able to say no. And so, yeah, that's how I can stand on stage and speak about these things without being triggered anymore i've done the inner work it's taken a long time though i can imagine well congratulations i don't know if congratulations is the right word but it feels like the the right word um to to be able to move out of that and now to be doing what what you're you're doing you know yourself personally and of course um you know with simon and, and global glamping look if anyone's out there listening as we always do at the the end of this podcast simon how does anyone get in touch if they'd like to reach out to be able to help in any, any way whether that be financially or or otherwise fastest way www.globalglamping.org and just follow the links to contact us and we'll open the conversation fantastic and mel will you come back and talk to us again absolutely no problem at all excellent well look thanks guys for joining us today um, you, you're right, heavy topic, but one that needs to be talked about, one that needs to be brought out in the, the open um, again and, uh, you know, as much as we possibly can. And uh, I look forward to talking to you both um, on, on future episodes. Thanks, Adam.